Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes. One of the holes was their pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So choose your own adventure. It's time for... I Never Saw That. Hey everybody, welcome to I Never Saw That. Hi. Uh, This is a very strange week for us, uh, but we wanted to get some stuff out to you, so... um... This is what you're getting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We had previously decided that we were going to share all of the remaining reads of Tattoo of Death, the book we did for our episode with Chris and Matt Yule from Finish It. Uh, We had decided that I was going to do all those reads and we were going to make them Patreon-exclusive content. Uh, But we have decided that not enough people will listen to it or get to hear it if we do that. So we we want you all to be able to listen. So this week we're releasing two mini-sodes. Two little reads. So this episode is two Tattoo of Death reads. So uh, this is going to be, it's a mini-series. There will be 13 reads in it. So (laughs) you're getting two this week. Uh, We hope you enjoy them. I'm very sorry that we won't have headlines for you this week. Mm. I know that's everybody's favorite segment yeah. so anyway let's get on with the episode uh, wait, and start wait. tattoo of what about what seeing the funny papers oh yeah what about seeing the funny we're papers? not doing that either. we're not doing seeing the funny papers either i'm very sorry that was probably a big tease because i bet people thought that we were gonna play the music right there and then yeah. we we're gonna do it but we're not doing it we're not doing it but we do have seeing the funny papers news we have to announce the winner we mm-hmm. never did that. There was a winner of our contest. The yes. contest was name the three people or characters or wherever I got the samples of people saying see you in the funny papers in let's, the intro. Let's play that real quick. Okay. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. Okay, so. And Mike Streeter was correct. He Mike Streeter. All three correctly. A few people got the first two which were um, Titus from uh, Kimmy Schmidt Mm -hmm. and John Goodman in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right. The third one, Mike was able to name the actor that played Ted Bundy in a made-for-TV movie about Ted Bundy, Mm -hmm. the serial killer. So Mm -hmm. uh, sorry shit got a little dark there, but that's what happens. Way to go, Mike. And Mike is uh, a huge supporter of us, and thank you, Mike. Uh, he's a great listener of ours, but he also has a really great podcast of his own, and it is called Bad Reception. Yeah. He and his co-host Morgan go through like TV shows that have gotten like the worst reception. Yeah, they were canceled usually within one season or something. Yeah, they were canceled early, just mostly pretty bad stuff. Uh, but it's a lot of fun to listen to, but, and yeah, we highly really recommend it. I loved the uh, Cop Rock episode, <laughs> because I remember when that came out, and 
everyone knew it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but they did it, it The concept anyway. is terrible. The execution was terrible. Uh-huh. The podcast about it on Bad Reception Pod uh, was wonderful. So yeah. everyone go listen to that right now. Yeah, it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. They're very funny. They make me laugh every time. So congratulations, Mike. We yeah. will be sending you a little uh, gift surprise You will be receiving package. Micah's vasectomy knife. <laughs> The knife, the actual knife that was used in the procedure. So congratulations. I wouldn't use it like on food or anything if I were you. Not correct. Okay. Anyway, so let's get on with it. Here are uh, the first two episodes in uh, our... Tattoo of Death. Tattoo of Death miniseries. I hope you like them. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's me, Jen. If you haven't listened to our Tattoo of Death episode, you're going to need to go do that in order for this to make sense. Because I'm not reading the nine-page introduction again. Uh, but basically, you have gotten yourself into a gang. They're called the Red Flowers. You, These two dudes named Ben and Sprazzle. Um... <laughs> took you out for a snack, and now you're in a gang, and they also tattooed you. They want to get to your father because he's, like, running for governor, and he's, like, a powerful attorney. And anyway, your first choice is about whether to go to Japan, to offer to go to Japan in place of your father. If you decide to hide is another choice, and if you decide to go to the cops is the third choice. So in our episode, Micah and I went to Japan and the Yule brothers decided to hide. We both ended up dead. Um, uh, The Yule brothers got on a bus to Santa Fe or to Nevers, Nevada, and Spraz and Ben were on the bus and then they died. And Micah and I went to Japan and we were killed by the Yakuza. They dropped a net on us and then stabbed us and we bled and we died. So now there are 15 endings in this book. So this is a mini series that I'm doing here. It'll be 13 episodes long. So why don't we in this one, why don't we just go to the cops? I mean, you know, fuck the cops, but also like you got to do it sometimes. So we're going to go to the cops and we're going to tattle. So that takes us to page 91. Sometimes taking the conservative route can be best. Reluctantly but hopefully, you decide to tell the police about the red flowers. It's a matter of a simple telephone call to police headquarters. You drop in a quarter, punch in the police emergency number, and wait. May I help you? Comes a voice. You sure can. I'm in trouble, you reply. State your name and where you're calling from. First the telephone number, then the address. Do not hang up. You comply. Are you in immediate danger? The voice asks. Yes, is your response. Explain, please, the voice continues. I can't. I need to see someone in the rackets department or immigration. I need to see them now, and I need to be picked up. I'm in trouble. Understood. There's a squad car on the way. You are at a phone booth, correct? Yes. Don't move. Stay on the line. Okay, I'm here. Turn to page 51. 
Okay, and directly across from this page is an illustration, which will be described by Micah from C and the Funny Papers. Page 50. This page shows another of Frank Bull's layered and um, deep perspective images. We, in the foreground, we can see a police car. I know it's a police car because on the rear pillar it says 911, and on the top of the car, you can see the light bar and the little radio antenna. In the back of the police car, um, we're pretty tight on the back of this car. We can just make out the door handle, the rear door handle, and part of the wheel, the top half of the wheel. Um, and we're looking at it from kind of a maybe a three-quarter rear view. Um, through the back window, we can see our protagonist with his plaid striped shirt on, um, his He's facing away from us, looking out toward another car, and his hand is up toward his mouth, uh, almost as if he's gasping or, or afraid. And he's afraid because the car next to them that is driving by is a two-door sedan. I can tell it's not the Corvette, and yet I can see in the passenger seat with the open window, um, I can see what appears to be Sprazzle and his shaggy hair. Um, and then a silhouette that appears to be Ben behind the driver's seat. Um, in front of them, kind of, actually it's off on a weird angle. So this appears to be, you're sitting, the protagonist is sitting in the police car, maybe parked, and then in the lane next to them, driving by, are Ben and Sprazzle. And then in another lane, I guess it could be coming toward them. Yeah, it looks like it's coming toward them. I do see windshield wipers, um, a checker cab. Um, and I know it's a checker cab because there are black and white checkers across the top of the windshield and a little cab sign. Um, and then in the distance, there's another car parked on the other side of the street, I'm guessing. And it looks like I can just see a little bit of that rear pillar um, and the back window. It looks like it might be a gremlin. Um, the rear, an AMC gremlin, the rear window doesn't quite have that sweeping angle back toward the front of the car to make that pillar so wide and awkward. But I think it might be Frank Bull's um, attempt at a gremlin. And then behind that, on the other side of the street, is a telephone booth. And the telephone booth doesn't appear to have anyone in it, but behind the telephone booth is a building that looks like a big government-style building with a whole bunch of pillars. And that's it. Moments later, a squad car pulls up. It's the most welcome sight you've ever seen. Two cops get out. They both have weapons drawn. Hey, kid, you all right? The female officer asks. She smiles at you. I am now, you reply, moving fast to the car. Okay, Leo, let's roll, she says. What's this all about, kid? Blackmail, illegal immigrants, threats, and I'm really scared. So just a pause here. Why are we now calling it illegal immigrants? So we're blaming... We're blaming the problem on the on the immigrants themselves instead of... Anyway, all right. Okay, we'll get you back to headquarters and they'll take it from there. You sit back in the car and it, as it moves away from the telephone booth, it takes about 20 minutes in dense traffic to get to headquarters on 11th Street. As you get out of the squad car, you see a black Mazda sedan roll slowly by. Ben and Spraz are in the car. A chill washes over you. Okay, here we are, safe and sound, the female cop, whose name is Stella, announces. And see, now there, you could just say Stella, the cop, announces. You don't need the female cop again. I know that it's shocking that there's a female police officer here. And actually, I mean, let's be honest, we all know that that doesn't work very well. If you uh, have listened to our 
Getting Even With Dad episode, we found out that Lady Cops just, just can't do it. Because you see what happens is they fall in love with their all the suspects. And so, uh, you try to duck, hoping that Ben and Spraz won't see you. But they have obviously followed you here. Trying to hide is useless. You enter the building, which smells of stale coffee, old newspapers, and sweat. The detectives you want to see are on the fourth floor, and the elevator creaks its way slowly upward. It takes about 20 minutes to explain your story to three detectives who get very excited when you mention the red flowers. Turn to page 30. We've been after those guys for years. They're bad. Real bad, the oldest of the detectives, a man named Peter Morales, says. This could be the break we need. Kid, you might be famous. Got any guts? Uh Uh-oh, you think. Here it comes. They want you to be some kind of hero. That's not what you had in mind. No, not really, you reply, trying to look weak and cowardly. Listen to that, will ya? Peter says to his companions. This kid's got moxie. Modesty, too. Just what we're looking for. Okay, here's the deal. You're the decoy. We'll be behind you all the way. Nothing to fear. (laughs) Okay, so... Just so this <laughs> this cop asked this child if he had any guts, and the child said no, and the cop is going to force him into a dangerous situation anyway, which I think is good policing. Okay, your mind goes through a menu of horrifying possibilities of what the flowers will do if they catch you. It was a mistake to come here. I don't think that's a good idea, Pete, one of the other detectives says. This kid's in danger real danger. Let's take the info and use it to bust the red flowers wide open. The third detective agrees. You can tell that Pete doesn't like being overruled, but he gives in. Okay, guess you're right. They are mean. This ki- The kid could be in trouble. So, <laughs> they're mean. Uh, so, you breathe a sigh of relief. You're off the hook. We'll put the kid in a safe house. Then we'll round up these thugs and the kid will testify. Okay with you, Morales asks, looking right at you. Fine, you reply. Can I call my dad? Already done, one of the other detectives answers. He's on his way down from San Francisco. He'll be here this afternoon. Turn to page 105. We've made one choice. So that's how you become famous. Oh, (laughs) so there you go. That's how you become famous. I guess you didn't die in this one, though. Your testimony against the red flowers is all the police need to round them up, charge them, and try them. You're behind bars now, but in a way... Oh, I'm sorry. They're behind bars now, but in a way, so are you. You're in a witness protection program and living in Hawaii. Your hair is a different color. You wear contact lenses to change the color of your eyes, and you have a new name. Oh, you poor baby. Yeah, you're in prison. Being in Hawaii is just like being in prison. It's a fucking whiny kid. Sometimes you think back on it all and regret that you didn't stay the course and act as a decoy for the police. You could have gotten deep within the flowers and helped unravel the whole rotten network right back to Hong Kong, where the poor souls who end up as slaves begin their hopeful journey to a new world. You know well the horror of these people who stake their life savings on the promises of smooth-talking criminals, who then go on to treat them like so much fodder to fill up their bank accounts. Slavery is as old as the world. How to really stop it still remains the big question. The end. That ends on a powerful note there, but what I really, what really strikes me about this read is that you made one choice. One. 
So you go to the cops and you end up in Hawaii in a witness protection program. And I guess you're famous because you testified. Uh, anyways, so that was the end of that one. I guess the good news is that there are no more branches on that one. So we're done going to the cops. And I'm glad about that because I feel deeply uncomfortable going to the cops. So, um, I guess tune in next time for Tattoo of Death. The Revenge. Previously on Finish It. I jump on the woolly mammoth. Very nice. Eventually, you become captain of your own ship. You become a captain of your own ship? <laughs> Life is harsh and simple with the cave people. No, boy. Vampire advances toward you step by step by step. The usual way. <laughs> does that sound like fun? Yes, it does. I'm Matt Yule. And I'm Chris Yule. And on our podcast, Finish It, we're going through all the interactive fiction books ever. And we read every single page, and we don't stop until we got every drop. <laughs> We're going to juice these books. Find us at finishitpod.com or finish it on any pod catcher. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Tattoo of Death, the miniseries, The Revenge, episode two. And that's going to be two of 13. Once again, if you did not listen to our Tattoo of Death episode that we did with the Yule Brothers from Finish It... Uh, you need to go and listen to that for this to make any sense. Also, you should listen to Finish It, the podcast. Uh, their show is amazing. It's wonderful. It's very funny. And this is what they do is they explore uh, every book, every page, every ending. And it's just fucking delightful. So, yeah, I highly recommend you check that out. This is just a Patreon-exclusive mini series we're doing because we read Tattoo of Death and we only got two endings and I know everyone out there is dying to know what else happens in this book. And we here at I Never Saw That deliver. We deliver. So without further ado, it's actually ado without further ado and it's not even spelled like that. So that was stupid. I'm not going to give any kind of recap on the intro. So if you want to know what's going on, like I said, listen to our episode. So here we are on page 10. This is where our first choice is. We can decide to go to Japan. We can decide to hide or we can go to the cops. Now, we're not going to do the cops anymore, though, because we did that last time. And we're done with it. Because when you go to the cops, you get no more choices. So what we're going to do in this one is we're going to go to Japan. Which means I'm turning to page 97. Uh, and Micah and I did this on our episode with Finish It with uh, Chris and Matt. So basically what happens here, so 97, then we're going to go back to 47. Okay, and directly across from this page is an illustration, which will be described by Micah from See in the Funny Papers. Page 46. This page contains a full page illustration with three people standing in what appears to be a broken-down shack or warehouse with broken windows behind them. Uh, there's a table in the foreground. On the table is a package wrapped in brown paper and duct tape. There are two young boys, or teen boys, standing in the back, um, wearing your standard Tai Chi gang outfits. Um, one is wearing black shoes, very baggy pants, and a button-down shirt or button-up shirt, excuse me, with the sleeves rolled up 
above his elbows, and his arms are crossed, and he has a very smug look on his face. His hair is interesting. He has, it looks like it's slicked back, but the sides are shaved into a pattern, uh, just kind of straight lines. Um, And then he has a scar above his right eyebrow, and he has one little strand of hair coming down on his forehead, kind of like Superman. The man, the boy next to him, has long, shaggy hair, and he's raising one eyebrow as if he's very interested in what's going to happen next. Um, He has one earring on his left ear. It's a hoop. And they both have full, pouty lips. He is wearing a t-shirt with a very wide collar, and you can't see the rest of his body because it's blocked by the boy in the foreground, who is our hero, our slow-witted hero in this story. He's wearing a plaid shirt, a button-up shirt with cut-off sleeves. On his right arm, you can see the gigantic tattoo of death that they've put on his arm. His hair is parted on the right side and kind of medium length. It just it goes down just to his ears. He's standing with one hand on the table that contains the package, uh, and he's looking at the package and contemplating what to do. I know that he's contemplating what to do because his hand, his um, left hand, is on his chin. His finger is just on his chin, and he's looking down at the package. So Ben and Spraz say that they don't quite trust us yet, and they need us to deliver a package in order to basically uh, prove our loyalty. You look at it, and it seems to glow. Could be anything. A letter bomb, drugs, a ransom note. These guys are bad. Real bad. Of course, the package doesn't really glow. It's just your overactive imagination. So anyway, then you you say you're going to do it, even though you don't really want to. You ask where they want you to deliver it. And they say the state house, the governor's office. It's kind of a present, wouldn't you say, Spraz? Yeah, Ben, a present he'll remember, Spraz says, laughing. And we got ourselves a real nice messenger. Once you're outside, a really sick idea pops into your brain. Open the package and check it out before you deliver it. This is the thought of a deranged or limited mind, the work of an idiot, the fumblings of a fool born yesterday, you decide. But what's the alternative? Lie about it. Tell Spraz and Ben you delivered the package and hope they won't find out you didn't. Or deliver it and hope it doesn't blow up and kill somebody. The red flowers don't like people who waste their time. Act now! Alright, so we do have a choice here. If you decide to open the package, be very careful and turn to page 106. If you decide to get rid of it, turn to page 29. So Micah and I, in our read, opened it. So let's get rid of it this time. And we're going to go, that takes us to 29. Oh my god, this is unbelievable. You have one page where you make a choice. And then, on page 29, you have another choice. This is wild for this book. Okay, getting rid of the package without the flowers finding out is as likely a happening as a teacher not collecting homework. Powerful um, analogy there. Your head swims with the frightening possibilities of what Ben and Spraz will do to you when they discover you've disobeyed orders, let alone what Big Guy and his adult hoodlums will do. (laughs) His adult hoodlums. (laughs) Instead of this gang of little kids. The thug named Anaconda is feared from Hong Kong to Minneapolis and back. So... Uh, I think it's important to note here that Anaconda is feared in both 
directions. So, he could make your life, or what's left of it, very unpleasant. So what do you do with the package? You could chuck it and hope that the gang believes you delivered it. You could say you were mugged and that the package was stolen. Or you could fake an accident with a car. If you pretend to get hit, you can end up in the hospital with amnesia and no package. You'll be relatively safe there, you hope. So the three options that you, that this brilliant kid comes up with, are to get rid of the package and lie about it. Okay, kind of makes sense. If you decide to say that you were mugged and it got stolen, okay, that's a little bit of a stretch. But fake an automobile accident? What? <laughs> what? So obviously that's what we're going to do. We're going to fake an automobile accident. We're going to turn to page 95. And I have a feeling this is going to go really well for us. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Faking an automobile accident is probably a good idea, you think. Yeah. If you're in the hospital, the flowers might even feel sorry for you. But despite all the skill and grace you learned in Tai Chi, you mess up big time. <laughs> the car you pick to nudge you does a lot more than that. The evening news carries a story about a young person with a tattoo of a red flower on one arm who was the victim of a hit-and-run accident at the entrance to the northbound freeway. Name unknown. Picture too ugly and horrifying to show. The end. <laughs> so now I know on these mini-episodes I'm not reading the entire intro, but you would have read through the entire intro, which takes about 20 minutes so you sat through 20 minutes of that, and then you made two choices. The second choice um, doesn't make any sense for several reasons, and then you do it real bad. Uh, I think it's interesting that you decide to fake an automobile accident, and the place you decide to do that is on a freeway on-ramp. So that's one issue I have with this. The other question I have is that it says the car you pick to nudge you. So does that mean, I I think what that means is that you just stepped out in front of a random car rather than setting this up with someone beforehand because you are a stupid, stupid child. And I'm not saying children are stupid. I'm saying you are very stupid. Uh, but yeah, so we died again. Oh, yeah, and I didn't even comment on the last one. Um, when you go to the cops, of course, you don't die. And Ari Montgomery is big on moralizing. And so I guess maybe going to the cops was the right thing to do. Uh, clearly, faking an automobile accident was the wrong thing because you suck at it. You suck. And I also just love the line, despite all the skill and grace you learned in Tai Chi, you mess up big time. So... The Tai Chi practice has nothing to do with anything, and you didn't use it because you suck at it. Or at least you really suck at pretending to get hit by a car. So anyway, that's the end of this week's um, Tattoo of Death, the miniseries, The Revenge episode. I love you guys. Thank you. And good night. Thank you.